from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Good morning, TGIF, to you all. Hope you're all having a great, great, great week and that everything is going by well for each and every single one of you. And if it's not, well, then I hope it gets better. And if things are crazy and you're forced to be in an awkward family situation like I was yesterday, then I hope that you give yourselves the love and respect that you deserve. You laugh about it. You write it down as a joke to use later on in your life. Or you have a radio show and you talk about it this morning in the annoying moment of the week. With that being said, let's hop into the morning menu. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Today's morning menu proudly presented by the wonderful partners of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We appreciate our family as everyone should. The annoying moment of the week, folks, you can feel is coming up and it is going to have some flavor on it. I will tell you that much. <laughs> but we are very happy to have the team that we have and, and the team that we have featuring Utica Pizza Company, 315 Chiropractic and Wellness, Lawrence L.J. Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for commercial and home realty as well as land of Gilbo Realty. Pen and Trophy Center, which is now located in East Syracuse. Honda City of Liverpool, the Wildcats Sports Pub. Looking Glass Events, FanHands.com. Giovanni's Tuxedos. DrySig Apparel and DrySig Lady. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G for DrySig. Carvel DeWitt and Chick-fil-A Cicero. With all that being said, we appreciate you tuning into the show. We thank you so much. And on today's morning menu, we have some fun things to talk about, do we not? We're going to do the Annoying Moment of the Week like we always do to start off the show. And there are two scoops of the Annoying Moment of the Week. One of them happened to me. One of them happened to America. (laughs) We're going to talk about them both in just a moment. Also happening this morning around 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we will do our signature soundbites segment. And that will proudly feature Dave Paziak, basketball coach and longtime analyst of the sport here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. He'll be joining me in just a little bit to discuss game one of the NBA Finals. And then in the second hour of the show, I will be joined by Mike Sofka for our fantasy football and NFL hour conversation. Those of you have gotten to know us on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m., this is our final Friday that we're going to be doing this 10 to 11. We will be moving it to Thursdays. So once again, Thursdays 10 to 11 is when you can hear Mike and I. So those of you that have been listening and have been devout to this show for years, at least in the past year, over a year, whatever it may be, are used to hearing Mike and I in the second hour of the Friday broadcast to Wake Up Call. We are moving to Thursdays after this week. So you'll hear Mike today 
from 10 to 11 fantasy football, NFL, all the good stuff. And that will be moving permanently to Thursdays as of next week. So just make the note that fantasy football as well as NFL conversation with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com will switch to Thursdays after today. With that being said, let's hop into the conversation and the annoying moment of the week. I can't wait for this one. So I got a lot to talk about. So let's get into the annoying moment of the week right now. Dan Tortora proudly brings you. Is that for real? Are you kidding me? The annoying moment of the week. I, I really honestly, I don't know how to respond to this. Presented by Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street. It's what happy tastes like. You have to be that crazy. I guess so. The annoying moment of the week, proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. It is what happy tastes like. And I'm having a little chuckle here in the studio this morning because I am, I'm amped. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this annoying moment of the week. So let's get into the first one. Being forced into an awkward family situation. Well, I'm not going to tell you exactly everything here that went down. I can't, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and, and try my best here to, to kind of allude to you what went down, but very interesting kind of family dynamic, by the way. My dad had a, my dad had surgery and it went over well. So thank you all for your prayers. My dad is out of surgery and his shoulder is in a cast and he's well not in a cast in a sling and he's going to be rehabbing and getting himself better. So uh, awkward family situation. Blood doesn't mean that it's family. That's something that I've learned over the years. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday about their family, but blood does not mean that it's family. You know, I grew up with the mentality because I was told that if somebody is your blood, then you have to love them. If somebody is your blood, then you have to deal with them. If somebody is your blood and they're toxic, well, sucks for you because they're your blood. So they're going to have to be part of your life and toxic in your life. If it's your friend, and, and this is stuff I was taught growing up, not by mama. If it's your friend, then you have to, you could do whatever you want, right? If it's your friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, they're toxic, get rid of them. But if it's your family and they're toxic, you have to keep them. If it's your family and they're toxic, you have to stick around with them at all times. Well, I'm calling BS on that because anybody that's toxic, anybody that's hurtful, anybody that's negative, anybody that's hateful, anybody in your life that is stressing you out and not making your life better or giving you good advice on how to help yourself, they don't need to be there. They don't need to be in your family. And it's the reality of it all. You choose your family. My family's all different shapes, sizes, colors, religions, backgrounds. We're everybody because we came from different places, but we all love each other. My buddy Ross, he's been on the show plenty of times. He's a great writer, he's a great sports mind, but he's a better person. I've known the guy for years and I love the guy. And we're not brothers, but we act like it. And my buddy Jason down in Florida, 
we're not brothers, but his two daughters are my nieces because we're family. My buddy Evan, we're brothers, we're family. My buddy James, we've been through hell and back, but we love each other. We're family. So when you look at that, when you look at that, and you have that love and you have that appreciation, and friends that have come into my life in this past year have been more family. My boy Eric. You know, it's, you know, I mean, goodness sakes, when you get invited, a, a person who meets you f while you're doing your business and invites you to their wedding after listening to your show and being a listener, Johnny, that's family. You know, you get invited, you're a broadcaster who's doing your thing, doing trivia nights, doing wake up call, doing this and that, and you get invited to a wedding because of the bond that was created from what you do in your livelihood. I'm going to that wedding. I'm running to that wedding more than I'm running to some of the blood relative weddings because that's family. So my wake up call family, my friends, my wife, her family, my little pup, that's family. And I was forced into a really awkward situation. And I'm trying to navigate how I want to describe it. But I have a member in my family who got mad over nothing years ago. And is still mad over nothing years later. And when my father came out of surgery, I'm there to support him and be there for him. As any child would, right? And my dad and I haven't always seen eye to eye. We haven't always agreed on everything. But I love my dad. And I wanted to make sure my dad was okay. So I was there. And so was blood relative. And they said hello. Kind of said, oh, you're still here. And stood in front of me, blocked me from my father. And then stood to the side, oh, I blocked you from your father. Didn't say a word for 20 more minutes. Came back to my father's house and didn't say anything for hours outside of, do you want more salad? And I look at my life and I say, how can somebody stay that mad that long over nothing? And those are the sad, sick people of the world. Those are the people in this world whose hearts are dark now. And I don't wish bad on those people. I pray that their hearts get enlightened. I hope that they find love and realize love. But it's just, it's just interesting how we can have blood family that can know us our whole lives, make something out of nothing... And then detach from our lives forever. Didn't speak to me on my wedding day. And I've been married for almost four years. And here we stand today. No conversation. And I'm okay with it. Because I don't consider them family anymore. Because family is there for you. Family loves you. Family... Couldn't go four years, couldn't go four days not talking to you. And in the world we live in today, everybody wants us to understand when they do something bad, right? Well, this is why I did it, Dan. I don't care. How about understanding why we do something good? I'm the type of person, and I know we're not all the same, but I'm the type of person that if I love you and you love me and we have an issue, I want to figure it out then and there. I want to figure it out then and there. And if you don't care about it, 
then maybe we don't have to be around each other. If it doesn't mean anything to you for us to be close, then we don't need to be close. I don't believe that you should fight to be around somebody who doesn't want to be around you. And telling us that family is family is family is family and you have to be around those people. Well, that's just idiocy. If you're around someone who had a flamethrower that was your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or your friend, and your family was like, oh my God, get rid of this person. They're nuts. They're lighting everything on fire. If it was your aunt or your uncle, why would you stay in the room? Crazy is crazy. Is crazy is crazy. And blood doesn't make you family. The decisions you make in the life that you have is what makes you family. And Orange Avenger said, family eats at Utica Pizza, and he is right. There's a quote that follows what I'm saying very closely today. Don't waste your time trying to get people to love you. I'm going to read that again. Don't waste your time trying to get people to love you. Spend time with those who already do. So to some of my blood family, I'm not trying to get you to love me because I already love me and I have a great family and I would gladly go to dinner with my listeners before I ever went to dinner with you because I actually laugh with them. I have fun. I have a good time. And when you're not having a good time with somebody and you're not respected by somebody and you why force yourselves? And I've had this, like I said, I had this conversation yesterday. Why force yourself to be around someone just because they're family? If your brother was Charles Manson, would you eat dinner with him? I mean, come on. Think about this stuff. If the Unabomber was your boyfriend, would you stay with him? I mean, it's just, well, no, that doesn't really fit my point. I'm losing my mind. If the Unabomber was your father, would you be like, well, he's my dad. I love him. I mean, he, he builds bombs in the basement, but that's okay. I mean, you don't, <laughs> just because it's blood doesn't make it right. And just because it's blood doesn't entitle you to anything. I wouldn't be happy if a man's like, well, yeah, you know what? I beat up my sister, but she's got to love me. She's my blood. If I'm the sister, I'm getting the hell out of that house. That's not my brother. Well, you know, biologically, that is your brother. Well, it's not my brother. You want to know who my brothers are? Out of my whole biological family? Nico and Miguel. You know where they're from? Peru and Guatemala. You know how they got to my family? They were adopted. Ask me who my brothers are in my family. Ask me who my siblings are. In my blood family. I got siblings outside of that with friends and stuff. But ask me who my siblings are. They're not the people that have the blood that I have. They're the people that for my entire life and their entire life. For as long as I have known them. Nico for almost 30 years. Miguel for what 24, 25. More than that. For all of the years that they have been alive, never once did I think they didn't love me. Never once did I think they weren't there for me. And never once would I not do anything in the world to help them. 
and vice versa. That's family. We're not blood, but yeah, we are. So if you are someone in your life telling people you got to deal with me because we got the same blood, you need to check yourself because blood doesn't make you family. Actions, words, deeds, that's what makes you family. So when family shows up to check on my dad, but doesn't respect my father's son, good luck pretending to be family. It's a long, lonely road, and nobody's calling you on the phone. So be good to each other. And stay out of awkward situations if you can. I couldn't. I had to be there for my dad. So stay out of it if you can. But if you can't, you know, just write to me on the show. And we'll talk about it. I said, check yourself. (laughs) Johnny just wrote, check yourself. So I had to respond to it. So the other annoying moment of the week, I know Johnny's going insane. So this is a funny thing about people know the annoying moment of the week is obviously every Friday at 9 a.m. And so Johnny was writing early at like 8.30. And he was like, it's 9 a.m. somewhere. And I was like, Johnny, come on. Don't be like quoting Jimmy Buffett and other, other things over here. So, but... He wanted to talk about something. I got another message from Tim. Shout out to Tim. He's like, this is my annoying moment. So, and the funny thing is, their annoying moments were exactly the same. Even though they got in touch with the show two different ways and probably don't even know each other. But their annoying moments were the same. And they both live in central New York, which I find very funny. So, Johnny said that, well, I'm going to get this one out of the way. Because the annoying moment of the week that's this, that that I have chosen that is the same amongst Tim and Johnny, that'll come up in a second. Before that, Johnny said the way he acts, the way he taunts, how he holds himself on the court, everything about the guy, Draymond Green. That's why he doesn't like him. So he said, Draymond Green is neither family or friend. He brings chaos to my life. <laughs> oh, God. That's awesome. Can we talk about how LeBron wore Kevin James' suit to the NBA Finals? Kevin James. Kevin Hart. Mother F. I had it right. (laughs) It's Friday. My brain is already on vacation. I'm gone. I'm sleeping somewhere outside. But, you know, oh my lord. So, yes. Can we talk about the fact that LeBron James wore Kevin Hart's suit to the NBA Finals? And it was cute. But, I digress. So... I have two more annoying moments of the week. One of them is J.R. Smith. What in the H-E-double hockey sticks was J.R. Smith thinking? What was he thinking? First of all, that last minute of that game, hella awesome, right? The last minute of regulation, great. LeBron James double clutching, hanging in the air, trying to be like Jordan. I shouldn't say trying to be like Jordan, trying to be like LeBron, because LeBron is great. Whether you like LeBron or not, Orange Avenger said, I knew who you meant. Don't feel bad. Kevin James and Kevin Hart, a little bit of difference. Just a little bit. A little bit of difference. But I think that LeBron James wearing the Kevin Hart line of suits was very pretty. But he was thinking, hold the ball and we win. Okay, so that's, yeah. We're going to get to that in a second. We're building up Orange Avenger. So... Second annoying moment of the week, the second scoop, proudly brought to you by Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York, and 
at the Taste of Syracuse this weekend. So get your behind downtown to the Taste of Syracuse and get a taste of Carvel DeWitt. It is immaculate. So... With that being said, second scoop, J.R. Smith. What was he thinking? LeBron James double clutch. Phenomenal. Whether you like LeBron or not, that was an awesome play. Steph Curry on the other side, hanging in the air himself, throwing the ball up, getting hit. He makes the shot. Boom. Makes the free throw. Hello. 107-106. Then George Hill gets fouled. He goes down. LeBron tries to throw him this zip pass, which didn't look like it was going to work out. But thankfully, Klay Thompson laid out George Hill so that George Hill could go to the free throw line. So George Hill goes to the free throw line. He makes the first one. He misses the second one. They're down 1-0. It's 1-0. Pardon me. It's tied. 107-107. Okay? Tie game. 107-107. J.R. Smith. Catches the ball, one-handed off of the miss on the second free throw attempt by George Hill, and runs like he's being chased by a herd of bees. I wanted to say herd of bees. I know that it's like, what is it, a herd of cattle and a hive of bees, but it's a herd of bees today. Why? Because it's Friday and I said so. So, he runs like a bat out of hell. All the way over to the scores table, like, hey, we won the game. LeBron is screaming at him. He's pointing to the basket, like, what are you doing? What is that? Make a play. And then J.R. Smith's like, oh, okay, throw the ball, and then nothing happens. And then they go to overtime, and they lose game one to the Golden State Warriors. If you're a Golden State fan, you are thanking your lucky stars that J.R. Smith was playing a different game in a separate universe. If you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, you're understanding that you can't steal many from Golden State. If you can steal any from Golden State. And this is where you are now. You're down 0-1. We're going back to Golden State for Game 2. Then we go to Cleveland. And we know that Golden State can steal them on the road. So, But we also know Cleveland's a tough place to play. But still, this game was tied. J.R. Smith got a rebound. On the offensive glass, was under the basket and ran away, forcing overtime where Cleveland lost. So, J.R. Smith, you have to be part of the annoying moment of the week because if for nothing else, you annoyed LeBron, Cleveland, and every single Cavaliers fan in the world. Now, what did Johnny say? When you play on the Cleveland Cavaliers, you get a rebound. You look for number 23. I don't care if the game's on the line or not. You look for 23. Yeah, you do. Orange Avenger said he thought he was up. Going to hold the ball and win. That's fine. Maybe check the score. Maybe check the... I mean, there are so many ways to check the score if you're J.R. Smith. The score is everywhere. And I understand. In the run of play, you know, and we don't give people enough credit, there's a lot going on. Right? There's a lot going on. In the run of play, there is so much going on. And, you know, you're running full speed. Everybody, I mean, the 19,000 people that are sitting in the arena, they can look at the score 157 times a minute because they're sitting. They're sitting. But if I'm J.R. Smith or anybody else on the floor, I mean, you get lost in translation a little bit. But probably check, you know? I understand that sometimes people do that. Shot clock violation, Syracuse has done that. But... You, ha- I mean, it's if you're an athlete, 
which many are not. It's a very small percentage that is an athlete. If you are an athlete, you've got a ton of things going on at once. So I understand getting jarred a little bit, especially in a big-time game on the road. Comma. If you're Jamar, if you're Jamar, if you're J.R. Smith, maybe he thought he was Jamar. Maybe this was his other alter ego who plays for Golden State. But if you're J.R. Smith, who made the best play for the Warriors without wearing the jersey yesterday, you have to look at the score. You have to. I understand. I'm trying to say, listen, it's hard to be an athlete. It's hard to pay attention to everything. But you got to know what's happening at that point in the game. And even if you don't look at the score in that moment, you know the score building up to it. And I know you didn't take a timeout, but you have to know what's going on, right? Just like don't shoot on the other person's basket. You know, you have to understand what is happening in the grand scheme of things or you're J.R. Smith and you run to the scorer's table about to, you know, dance it up and give a little shimmy shake and then everybody's like, uh, you're going overtime. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, the game is tied. What do you mean? The thing is, as soon as he got that ball, he ran. He just ran. I'm surprised he didn't pick it up and run with it. He had called for a travel. He got that ball and he just escaped everybody. You got to know the score. I know. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of stuff in the run of play. But you have to know. Somebody somewhere on that court is like, the game is tied. The game is tight. Now LeBron is going to have to tell everybody. Because now LeBron's going to have to, uh, maybe he's going to have some paranoia with this and be like, hey, JR, guess what? We're down by three. We're up by three. We're down by 10. When in doubt, put the ball back up in the air. And the notion of, well, why is he going to shoot at Kevin Durant's right there? Get fouled. Go back to the free throw line. But when the game is tied and you run away, it's like, uh, hello, are we playing the game of basketball? Are we seeing what's going on? Or are we just gonna throw this thing willy-nilly? And J.R. Smith made a lot of people upset, and I know he's the annoying moment of the week because of that. Now, we got some messages while I was talking here. How about simple communication between your teammates? Well, team, that, this is the thing that I say all the time. Teammates don't talk. Not on some teams. Not on all teams, but teammates don't talk. One of the biggest things you can do, I played basketball my whole life. You talk to your teammates. You let them know what's going on. Hey, Bob, we're playing basketball. Don't kick it. <laughs> In high school ball, you would always remind your team of the situation, not to make excuses for Smith, LOL. This is what Orange Avenger said. Johnny said, if I see him in Wegmans, he will not be able to escape me. That goes for Draymond, too. Johnny's very mad today. Johnny's been very mad for the last couple weeks. So maybe John, maybe Johnny, you know what? We got to do something for you. You know, we have to have a family get together. Maybe we should call it the non-blood blood. And we'll all wear Kevin Hart suits and smoke cigars. My final annoying moment of the week is the grass in central and upstate New York. Can we stop a little? What is this grass? I don't do the grass. I mean, we go on vacation. I do the front of the yard. I don't do the back of the yard. 
for like a for a second, right? I do the front of you front of the yard. I don't do the back. I said I'll do the back when I get back. It looks like a dandelion forest. Okay? It looks like my home is right by an ocean. It looks like there's marsh where there's shrimp. And maybe I'm cool with that because I like shrimp a lot. But I don't know what happened. What is this grass? We had six months of winter and this grass is like, hell yeah, we finally are back and we're going to grow like hell because we know that winter's coming and it's going to suppress us. So we're going to grow as much as we possibly can before we have to go to sleep. This grass is insane. It grows like a foot a day. I can't keep up with it. My lawnmower doesn't like it. I don't like it. There's ticks now. I don't like ticks. I don't know anybody that does. Crazy people. But I'm not a ticks fan. Maybe Roseanne Barr will tweet about ticks. But I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the grass. So my annoying moments of the week. It doesn't, family doesn't have to be blood and awkward people that show up when you're supporting your father are awkward people that show up when you're supporting your father. Secondly, J.R. Smith. Thirdly, can we get the grass in control? Johnny said, I've been mowing my grass twice a week. I don't, what is going on with this? It's insane. I don't like it. I like to mow my lawn once every two weeks. Once every two weeks. This grass is insane. I had to, I mowed right before I left the front lawn. I had to mow it again two days ago. Wasn't gone that long. Had to mow it again. Now I got to mow the back. Okay. But I feel like putting like a hazmat suit on and going back there and mowing this thing. I don't know what I'm going to find in there. My dog gets like lost in it. It looks like when Simba was trying to pounce on things, catch the butterfly or whatever it was in the movie, this is what it looks like. It looks like if my dog Lily got down really low and pounced, we're in, we're, we're by Pride Rock somewhere. Or Fraggle Rock, depending on your generation. But the grass, it is, it's too much. I'm almost like, what if I just let it go another three or four days? Then it can go above my deck, and then I can walk through it and be like, crikey. But it would be really fun. Not safe. Fun, but not safe. Like family who aren't family. Fun, but not safe. <laughs> so, but we'll take <laughs> Oh, man. I feel very blessed to have the family that God has given me. Some of you are blood. Some of you are not. I love y'all. The same. So. But that being said, we'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Plenty more comedic moments to come up because, well, I'm here. So we will come back with Dave Paziak and we will discuss his thoughts on game one of the NBA Finals where J.R. Smith decided that just for a moment, he was a warrior. We'll be back. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. 
Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. There's that guy that we call J.R. Smith. Some people in Golden State call him a champion now, but Cleveland's not feeling that great about it. He kind of Cleveland Browns himself a little bit there. And Dave Paziak is on the show, basketball coach, longtime basketball coach, and analyst here on the show. We love having Dave on. He's been on for almost a decade. And we have a lot to talk about from the refs of Game 1 to... J.R. Smith's decisions to a play that you might have forgotten, might have forgotten about about J.R. Smith because of that giant glaring play at the end of the game, and so much more. With that being said, how are we doing today, Mr. Paziak? Well, um, you know what was a really good game. I thought got spoiled in the last minute by a bunch of different things yesterday. So, um, you know, I think that I'll be really shocked if Cleveland bounces back in the next game. I think you know I would really look for Golden State to win the next game with, you know, having the extra day off might help that, but uh, um, the way yesterday ended, it just, you know, between the vibe that Cleveland was was giving off and whatnot, um, I think kind of some of the stuff that happened in the last minute of regulation um, has cheated the basketball fan out of um, what could have been a very intriguing series. Now, you've been a basketball coach for a long time. People obviously make mistakes. I played basketball my whole life before I started broadcasting in college. So, you know, I, I know sometimes your brain, you're sweating, you're 
you're amped up, your adrenaline's pumping, you might dribble the wrong way, you might start running toward the wrong basket, you might pick up the wrong guy, you whatever it may be. But bring me, I mean, from a basketball coach's perspective, it's a tie game and you forgot. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah, you know, the thing that makes that so hard to um, hard to imagine to play with JR last night is it's not, um, you know, a couple of other plays that kind of come to mind that were similar were Weber calling the timeout that he didn't have in the NCAA tournament, um, Isaiah Thomas throwing the ball away on the inbounds, uh, you know, years ago for the Pistons against the Celtics where, you know, um, Bird, Bird makes a steal and hits Dennis Johnson to win the game. Um you know, those kind of plays, I mean, you don't understand, those. Um, you know, how the mind is working in those kind of plays, but it's happening as the game is going on. The thing that makes the play with J.R. Smith last night doubly puzzling is, you know, it's, it, it's on a free throw. It's on a dead ball, and, um, you know, you're thinking what's, what's going on. You know, your thought process in that situation typically would be, Okay, you know George Hill makes. We're up one. We're gonna. This is what's gonna. You know what we're gonna do. Um, you know George Hill misses. We come up with a rebound. This is what we're gonna do. Golden State comes up with a rebound. This is what we're gonna do. And that's what makes it so bizarre is that, um, <laughs> you know, to to have a brain cramp like that in that situation, um, you know, for a guy who's a you know a seasoned veteran NBA player. Um, you know, albeit one that's done some wacky stuff in his past, um, it just—it's it, bizarre, and it just—you um, know—you could see just with how the whole team reacted and whatnot. You know, it was no surprise that overtime went the way it did. Um, you know, even though there were a couple of things early in overtime that, that kind of fueled that too, that were a little bizarre. But uh, um, you know, it's just—you it, know—for for the Cavalier fans and for basketball fans in general I just think that um, it's unfortunate because it you know that the whole sequence of events in the last you know 45 40 seconds or a minute of the game last night um, probably changed the tenor of the series you know to a point that maybe Cleveland can't can't recover from yeah I mean and when we look at this with J.R. Smith I mean there was another play that you brought up when we were on the fast break when you and I were talking here off the air. Just to speak on that a little bit, because JR's running away from the basket as if the basket was his ex-girlfriend and chasing him. He runs away from this thing. I mean, even if you were up by one, I'm just the way that he just bolted away, I was like, what is going on? But on top of that, he made there was a play that he failed to make before halftime that you brought up too that you thought was important, and I wanted to go to that. Yeah, it was kind of lost in the shuffle last night, um, you know, with the way the game ended. But, uh, um, you know, Cleveland played really, really well in the first half and opened up as much as an 11-point lead. Golden State hits a couple of shots late. Cleveland still could have and should have gone into halftime with the lead. And if you remember, right at the end of the the first half, J.R. Smith just makes a stupid overrun. you know, overrunning the ball uh, when it's thrown ahead to Curry, and it, you know, gives clear Curry a you know a clean look at the basket from about 35 feet that he drains and sends the Warriors into halftime tied, and um, you know, the momentum and the vibe certainly turned and and, and was going in their favor versus 
Um, you know, maybe Curry still makes a difficult shot over him, but if JR just, you know, closes out and contests, um, more than likely Cleveland still goes into halftime with a, you know, with a three point lead. Um, you know, so it's just, you wonder the guy that's, that's been in the league that long and, um, you know, has made that much money and been a significant player, you know, for a lot of seasons for, for different teams. Um, you know, what is going through his mind as the game is going on? Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, to, to look at how the game, before that happened, we have to give credit to two big-time plays. LeBron with the double clutch that I brought up a little bit earlier in the show to hang in the air Jordan-esque and make that shot. And then for Steph Curry to go to the other side, attack the basket immediately himself instead of taking a three and making the old-fashioned three-point play that put the team up by one, 107-106 for Golden State. Just to go into those two plays, because, I mean, these these are obviously the kings of their respective teams, and these are the guys that wanted the ball in their hands, and they both did something amazing at the end of this game by going straight to the rim. So, I mean, those two plays, just to go into those from a coaching perspective, Dave, on, on what you thought about those, because those were clean, and, and those were obviously two big-time plays by two big-time players. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, LeBron is the best player in the world, and, it's, you know, it's not it's not close. Um, <clears throat> you know, and Curry, Durant wasn't real good late in the game yesterday. And Durant could have been the go to that game if J.R. Smith makes a smarter play. But, uh, um, you know, Durant wasn't, like, he's, Durant's the Warriors' best player, but he wasn't real good. And Curry is, like, a, you know, a, a close 1A there. And, you know, Curry, to his credit, um, you know, you're exactly right. He found a matchup he liked, attacked the rim. And, um, you know, Curry and James did what, what all stars and what, you know, all NBA players do. You know, they made, made plays with the game on the line and so we go to one of these other plays that we have to bring up speaking here with Dave Paziak coach of the Linden Hornets in Vermont as well as a basketball analyst basketball mind that we always love having here on wake up call with Dan Tortora we take a look at this Kevin Durant play where Kevin's going to the basket attempting to go to the basket and I've watched this thing numerous times. I'm sitting here in the studio watching it over and over and over again. Now, we see Durant, you know, kind of going and trying to go up, loses the hand a little bit on it, so he's not going up with full control of the ball, and he's leaning forward. So LeBron says, okay, this is an opportunity for me to take a charge. He makes a smart play by stepping over and saying, let me let me go down to this because I know that Kevin's going here kind of full speed, but not with full control. And it's originally called a charge by Kevin Durant. It's flipped to a blocking foul by LeBron James. But anybody that watches this film can see that LeBron was never set and he was moving and he actually pushed his body into Kevin Durant. He leaned into him. So, I mean, what I was always taught in basketball, playing it and watching it, and being around it my whole life, was that you have to be set in place and can't be moving. LeBron is still moving, but there's obviously a lot of controversy with this. So what can you say about this? And do you agree that, I mean, when I'm watching this film, LeBron is not in place. He, right before he takes contact, he seemingly leans forward into Kevin Durant. Well, um, the whole notion that you have to be absolutely set, first of all, that, that, that's a falsehood. Um, but the 
rules say is you have to establish guarding position, and you're allowed to move to um, to maintain guarding position. Um, and you know, if you listen, you know, when they were replaying it last night, the three broadcasters and Javi, who's their uh, officiating expert, you know, longtime NBA referee, they all had it as a charge with the, you know, after the replay. Um, you know, and Javi brought up a good point. I think uh, on a on ESPN on the post game is uh, like if you look, LeBron's left foot, which is a lead foot, is set, and he's allowed to square himself up. Um, you know, and his his left foot, is, you know, is is planted well before. Um, you know, I it was caught. You know, in real time, it looks like a charge on a replay. I think it's really close call. I still would have had it as a charge. Um, you know, the, the thing that bothers me about it, too, is, you know, the standard with replay is supposed to be incontrovertible evidence. And, um, you know, the fact that there's been so much back and forth and, you know, for everybody that thinks that, the, the you know, that was a block, you can find, you know, somebody that thinks it was a charge or vice versa. Um, you know, it's supposed to be incontrovertible evidence. And, you know, if, if you've got, like, veteran NBA official who's who they cut to in the replay center that says the call should stand and then the you know replay overturns it and um, you know to me that's not incontrovertible evidence I mean um, you know it kind of doesn't make sense that, that that you know replay is is not used to um, you know overturn judgment as a, as a rule of thumb you know replay is used to establish out-of-bounds, restricted arc, you know, things that are, are, are well-defined in black and white. And, you know, I just, um, you know, I, I, I thought it was, you know, quite frankly, a, you know, a terrible decision to overturn that call in those circumstances. Because, I mean, and I, and I do, I keep sitting here watching, like you said, you have to have irrefutable evidence. It looks like he's still sliding with both feet just a little bit. The left foot looks like it's almost set, but that he's sliding and he does turn his shoulder. And, and like you said, you know, it's a falsehood that, that you can't be moving to some respect, but that's something that we were always taught. You know, if you're going to take a charge, set your feet and go down. And he, like you said, he can, he can plant one foot and he can position himself. It looks like he's still sliding a little bit, but on top of that, when you make the, you know, when you said, if there's not irrefutable evidence, right? They call it a charge. It's like in football. If you call it a touchdown, and when you watch it 20 times, you know, one of my listeners brought up the Golden Tate situation with the Atlanta Falcons. When Gold, Golden Tate, it was called a touchdown on the field. I watched that thing, I think, 26 times the day that I was asked about it on the show. And every time I watched it, I was almost going in the other direction. And when you're in a situation where you call it whatever you call it, right? You call that a touchdown. You call this a charge. If you watch it over and over and over and over and over again, and you're seeing, okay, well, it could be this. Well, it could be that. Well, it could be this. Then you got to leave the call as is if it's that close. Now, if I was making this call in real time and I was an official, I would call it a charge. Looking at this in slow motion, it looks like he's still moving with both feet, so then I might overturn it, but you can watch this, Dave. I can watch this. We see different things. These are the plays where what you call in a controversial call has to 
more or less stands when you have so much controversy when you're watching the film back. I mean, I think I think that's what you're trying to say is, you know, we called it a charge. Now we're looking at it again and we can't say that it's definitely not a charge. So we have to keep it as is. These are the plays that no no official wants to make, I, I would say. Yeah, and, and, you know, to your point, too, is, um, you know, go to the play in the game where, you know, where George Hill, it was, you know, big play, George Hill has a strip on Durant, and um, and they call a foul, and they replay it, and it's, a, you know, it's a clean play. Um, you know, if you get a replay, you know, in this day and age with, you know, ultra high definition TV and, you know, single frame, um, you know, zoom and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, either replay every call or, or you can't replay judgment calls. I mean, I get replaying, um, you know, like hockey, it's a goal or it's not a goal, um, inbounds, out of bounds, um, you know, things like that. Um, but it, like to me, it's just it's arbitrary that you would overturn a call, and that's a judgment call in that situation. Um, that clearly, you know, like I said, if you listen to the broadcasters, if you you know look on social media for you know for everybody that that, that says it's you know he, he's moving, it's a block. There's somebody that says it's you know no, he's he's established guarding position and and uh, uh, it should stand as a charge. And the fact that there's that much um, back and forth on it, to me, shows that it's not incontrovertible evidence, which means the original call ought to stand. And, I mean, that's and that's and those are the things that, you, like I said, you never want to be in a situation like that, but that's why you're an official and you chose to take that job and be in that place. Here with Dave Paziak right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Speaking on the NBA Finals, Dave, before I let you go, just what's – you're seeing leading up to this game seven for the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Boston Celtics game seven for the Houston Rockets against the Golden State Warriors. These teams, you know, they can blow each other out. They, and then at the end of it all, it's a nine point game for one. It's an eight point game for the other. Houston goes seven of of 44 from three point range. Boston goes seven of 39 from three point range. They look almost exactly the same. Nobody believes they could be that bad. Some people cry out conspiracy. They made us believe that Boston could win. They made us believe that Houston can win. And yet we got the same outcome. Whether or not you 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 can agree with conspiracy theorists or entertain the conspiracy theorist, it does it, it just does it not feel strange that we were on the precipice of maybe we would have something different? And it, at least for people that you know aren't conspiracy theorists, there's kind of a letdown of there was the mentality that that people thought they would be able to watch something else and that didn't end up happening. Yeah. Um... You know, the beauty of the NBA, I think, more than any other sport, is you have to go, like, teams and individuals and teams, it seems that they have to kind of go through the struggle and, you know, and climb the mountain step by step to, you know, to become a champion. Um, you know, the Celtics, when they threw together, um, you know, Pierce and, and Ray Allen and Garnett, they're like the exception to the rule where um, that team was, you know, a championship team right away basically but I mean if you go back through NBA history I mean Jordan had to get past 
the, the, the bad boy Pistons, you know, to ascend to the throne. And, um, you know, LeBron having to, you know, get, you know, they, they fell to Dallas and then finally getting over the mountaintop. And, um, you know, so I think the, that in the NBA, like, you don't see something like hockey where you've got, the, you know, an expansion team in a Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and I think that in both cases, with Boston and with Houston, um, you know, the, the moment seemed a little bit bigger than the team was ready for. Um, you know, Boston with a bunch of young players, and, and you know, Stevens gets rightfully gets a lot of credit as a coach, but you know, I think the moment got was a little big for Stevens too at the end of the game. Um, you know, coming down the stretch, uh, Boston kind of the wheels came off, and nothing really happened to to overcome that and you know same thing with Houston um you know Harden's a guy who um you know hasn't been real good in the big moments and you know Paul was out injured and I mean Golden State through their run have been tremendous um but you know if you look back they have really been the beneficiary of a lot of um you know a lot of uh, good fortune in terms of key players on the teams in their way um being out, going all the way back to their first championship when LeBron takes them six games when Love and Irving are out. Um, you know, so uh, I think it's it, it, it just comes down to a matter of you know, you've got Golden State, who's defending champion and, and the best team in basketball, and you've got Cleveland with LeBron James, who's the best player in basketball, and, um, and some other veteran guys, you know, Kevin Love, and who was out, but uh, um, you know, the veteran guys on that team, Corver, Green, um, you know, even J.R. Smith, uh, you know, guys who have been in big situations, Tristan Thompson. So I think that that um, element really can't be can't be downplayed. Um, and when you get in that that, that game seven situation, um, you know, that having been there and, uh, you know, and having the experience in that moment is, is such a big thing to be able to draw on. And I think it was, you know, never clearer than in both game sevens, you know, as they came down the stretch. Seeing what we're seeing, though, 2015 Warriors and Cavaliers, Warriors win. 2016 Cavaliers, Warriors, Cavaliers win. 2017 Warriors, Cavaliers, Warriors win. And 2018, we have the Warriors and the Cavaliers, and one of them is going to win again. Is is there fatigue? Do you feel that at all when we see that this is the fourth straight finals of the Cavaliers and the Warriors? Yeah, I think um, I think it all depends on how this series is going to play out. I'm really curious to see how like TV ratings are because you know NBA TV ratings have been through the roof. Um, you know the. You know, in the last round, there's some of the highest ra- highest rated and most watched um, games on TNT and ESPN and, and um, league and network history. Um, so I think my gut feeling is that the um, you know obviously people that are um, you know fans of the Warriors, fans of the Cavs, you know fans of LeBron or Durant or Curry or whoever, um, they're going to be invested regardless. Um, I think for you know the sporting public and the basketball public. Um, I think it all hinges on, you know, that's why last night's game was so huge. I think if Cleveland had had held on and won that game, um, you know, now the whole narrative of the series changes, I think the interest level and the ratings would be off the chart because, 
because you've got very recognizable, um, you know, very familiar names on both sides, and I think it would draw in the uh, sporting public. I think now if this goes, you know, if, if Golden State wins in a blowout in game two, if this gets, you know, 2-0, 3-0, um, 3-1, something like that, um, then I think, you know, a certain segment of the sporting public might lose a little interest and, uh, you know, been there, done that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if we're talking, you know, a week from now and it's 2-2, um, I think the interest level will be exceptionally high. Um, you know, so I, I think it all depends, like I said, it all depends on how these next couple of games play out, you know, in terms of, um, in terms of interest level. Would, you know, would the sporting public you know, be more into, say, a Houston-Boston final. Um, I think that's open to debate. I think it would have been a, you know, a fresh look and everything. Um, but at the same time, you don't have the, uh, you know, basketball and, and in sports in general. It's you know, it's a star-driven um, business. And you know, Boston, Boston-Houston final. While it would have been fresh, um, you don't have the same level of of star power and name recognition and everything um, that you do with, you know, with Golden State and, uh, and Cleveland. Yeah, and, and speaking here with Dave Paziak, basketball analyst and, and basketball coach here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I mean, we just, we sit here today and like I said, like, I mean, you said the ratings are up and people are watching, but if it gets out of hand, the question that we got was, do we believe that that Cleveland can come back. And my response to that is anytime you have LeBron James, it's always a series. So I don't think that, you know, you can ever count LeBron James out of this thing. So I ask you two questions, Dave. The final two questions are, what do you think of this series moving forward after this game? And the second part of that is J.R. Smith now public enemy number one more than anybody. Yeah, he's public enemy number one, um, you know, if you're a Cleveland fan. Um, you know, if you're a Golden State fan, you probably want to give an honorary jersey or something. But, uh, um, you know, but I think your first point there as far as, you know, when you have LeBron, you always have a chance. You know, and that's why I said all along that Cleveland-Golden State is a much has a much better chance of being competitive than Cleveland-Boston would have. Um, but, uh, um, you know, that said, I really... Momentum, I think, often, like within games, momentum is huge. But from game to game in a series, in you know whether it's basketball or you know or hockey or baseball, whatever, you know, in baseball they say you know momentum is as good as the next day starting pitcher. But uh, um, you know, in basketball, I think game to game, you know, in a series like this where there's adjustments and whatnot, um, I think it's overblown in most instances. Um, this time might be an exception to that, just because of the way last night's game ended, um, the vibe that went off. Um, we didn't talk about that whole fracas at the end of the game with you know Tristan Thompson and, and Draymond Green, um, but you know what what's the uh, you know the are there going to be any other ramifications to that from the league? Um, you know just the the way the, the vibe that Cleveland game off at the end of that game um, kind of points towards uh, you know Golden State really putting it on them the next game um, you know I think as good as LeBron was last night he was going to have to be at that level or better or um, you know game two could get out of hand and if game two gets out of hand um, 
you know, then comes back to can Cleveland take care of business on their home court. So, um, you know, when you have LeBron, you always have a chance. But uh, you know, I think you know they a golden opportunity to change the narrative of the whole series went uh, went by the boards last night. Yeah, coming from Dave Paziak, and I can't help but agree that Golden State didn't need any help, but they're going to take advantage of it. That coming from Dave, Linden Hornets in Vermont. Go and check them out if you're in the area, and if you're looking for a school to go to or a good coach to have teach you, I couldn't find a, a better person to send you to than Dave Paziak. So if you're looking, just so you know, and if Dave is looking, then obviously important. I know Dave's still recruiting all over the place in the Northeast and still up in the state of New York. So, Dave, as always, I appreciate your time, and I, I appreciate the work that you have done, and I look forward to continuing to talk about these NBA Finals with you. Thanks, Dan. It was great to talk to you. Appreciate the kind words, and uh, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye. That coming from Dave Paziak once again, Dave Paziak of the Linden Hornets in Vermont, in the beautiful state of Vermont, where my younger brother, Miguel, has gone to college at the University of Vermont. So big, big ups to my little brother, and I love you very much. With that being said, we're going to take a step aside here, and Nico as well, my other little bro. We'll take a step aside here for a fast break. When I come back, it's hour number two. We're going off the court and onto the field. It's the NFL. It's fantasy football. Fantasy football never dies. We just had four people sign up for this coming season. We're ready. It's going to happen. We had a bunch of people sign up. You can sign up today as well. You can send us an email at dtstays at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter at CallDT, Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT, Facebook at WakeUpCallDT. I'm going to be putting up the information right now. And we're also doing our party finally now that the weather broke and it's nice outside. We're going to be at the Wildcat Sports Pub giving out our toilet bowl trophies and our championship trophies. So if you won one of those... Make your way out there. We're going to let you all know when that's going to be happening, and we're looking forward to giving out those trophies very, very soon, as well as i got to fly my butt down to Florida and hand out the trophies for the Florida League as well as we do every year. So we'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We're coming back with Mike Sofka, HalloFameFantasyFootball.com. Love this guy. Always appreciate talking with him. It's been a minute, so we're going to make it happen after these couple minutes. Make sure you listen to the fast break and then get your pen ready and start jotting down that fantasy football information because it's never too early to get up on your competition. We'll be back in a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so, you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. And then lastly. The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of 
the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. I'm always chuckling here. I always have, I mean, it's like an inside joke that I have or something going on. But, you know, in all honesty, I'm really excited about this upcoming fantasy football season fantasy football never goes away it never dies I keep Mike Sofka right by my side so that I know for sure that if we both talk about it it never goes away it's kind of like what is it Peter Pan that if you have Tinkerbell right by you and you always believe that you can fly you can so you know I don't know Mike I guess you're my Tinkerbell <laughs> wow I've been called worse before I, I don't think I've ever been called Tinkerbell thank you I know. I'm kidding. You're not my Tinkerbell. You're you're my you're 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 my fantasy Tinkerbell. I don't know. We'll say that now. Johnny said he's going to win this year. To let everybody know, we have reactivated the leagues this morning. So to everybody that's a part of Mickey's Marvels, which well, not Mickey's Marvels. That's my team name. And for everyone that's a part of our Florida Wake Up Call League, which Mike and I are, that is now activated. You can go in there, do your thing as well as That's How We Roll, or pardon me, Captains on Call, Dream Chasers, keep reading off my names. So the Florida League is now activated, and we do everything through ESPN because I feel like that's the best format, and it's also the best app for it, in my opinion. So the Wake Up Call 
Florida League is open again. It has been activated for the 2018-19 season, as well as all four Syracuse leagues, captains on call, dream chasers, Cuse contenders, and the gridiron gurus. So you can now go in there. Everybody should have gotten an email that you've been activated, and you can go in and check on the league page and write messages to one another. Get yourself ready, and I can post some notes to you, and you can also see where everybody was. So congratulations to all of our champions and all of our toilet bowl winners as well. And and Mike and I are here this morning, and we were just talking off the air about how my wife has won a championship in the last three years. His wife won, I think, four championships in all four leagues this year. So, Mike, Mike how's the house right now? What, what does the wife say to you when, uh, when she's kind of parading around her championships? Well, you know, it's it's the normal routine. I, you know, I have to uh, do the dishes every night for the next year. I have to take out the trash every night for the next year. I have to look at the trophies every night for the next year. It's it's quite upsetting, but I remind her where she gets her quality information, and that's of course at Hall of Fame Fantasy Football dot com, and everything's fine. So, well, yeah, I mean, and that works. And I always say to my wife, I'm like, listen, but but uh, but there are times where she didn't listen to me. And it did work out, but it was like fluke stuff. But uh, Johnny said, my damn brother won last year, so he's really mad. There's, you know, there's, there's the familiar things, right? The, the wife wins, the husband wins, the brother wins, the sister wins, the, the fiancé wins. That's what makes this fun because it's, you know, it's bragging rights. You get to have some fun around the house. So is there, you know, from what you said, you got to take the trash out every night and this and that. Are there open bets that your wife and you have every year when it comes to fantasy? I can't discuss all of them on the air, but I can. <laughs> I can tell you that um, it is a. It, it, it's nice to have that little competition thing that brings the game together. You know, it used to be just something I was involved in, and then she started taking a liking to it, and you know, it gets us closer together in something that that I love, and hopefully, you know, she's starting to love as well. So it's been a, it's been a good thing for us. That coming from Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame Fantasy This hour brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub. And this hour will move to Thursdays, folks. You know us on Fridays. You know fantasy football conversation has happened on Friday for the last two years. We are moving to Thursday to include Thursday night football, give you an extra day of fantasy advice, and give you more time to hear us on the archives of TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Podbean, the RSS feed, Player FM, and so much more. So we are moving to Thursday after today, so make sure that you set that in your calendar that Mike and I, 10 to 11 a.m. every Thursday, will be talking with you. And don't forget about that because we're going to love the opportunity to spend Thursdays with you now. It's like a great show on Friday that they're moving to Thursdays to beef up the network. That's what we're doing. And neither I nor Mike Sofka are Roseanne, so that's very good for everybody listening in. What do you think about that? I mean, Mike, Mike, let me say this to you. Roseanne's going off the air, but Last Man Standing is coming back with Tim Allen. My dad is ecstatic about this. I love Tim Allen. What do you think about that? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could take or leave. You know all that stuff. You know, I, I enjoy watching a good show. I enjoy watching those shows. But you know, I'm all I'm all about business. I'm all about football. I'm, if it doesn't have to do with football or fantasy football, it's a it's a you know it better be like a nature show or a documentary <laughs> or something to make me totally forget about it and unwind. 
that coming from Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. We're here to discuss with you fantasy advice. It's June 1st. Folks, we're going to be drafting in two months. The wake-up call drafts, we do these in August. We get you ready for the beginning of September. So by the end of August, you will know who your team is, which means that you got to take notes right now if you haven't taken them already. It is June 1st, and it is Fantasy Football Conversation. Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. What is the what is the biggest thing on your mind, the first thing that comes to mind? I'm going to let you roll out this conversation and, and what you're feeling right now for Fantasy Football. What player, what team, what's going on? No, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm encompassing everything. I'm taking it all in right now. I'm watching a lot of NFL Network, ESPN, of course, but I do a lot of surfing. I do a lot of, um, I know some people that are at the Jaguars. I, I, I had the opportunity to go to the draft party. I, 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 I'm mainly doing a lot of peripheral things. And now that June is here, this is when things start to get dialed up to the next level. This is when I start taking a hard look at rankings. As a matter of fact, I just released my rookie rankings on the website here. And I released rookie rankings prior to the draft. And then, of course, just, you know, depending on what player got drafted where and what his situation is, his ranking may have changed. So I've got the post-draft rankings up on the website right now. And then pretty soon we're going to be coming up with the overall rankings for whether you're in a standard league or a PPR league or whether you have specialized custom scoring, basically for $5, you can win your league when you go to my site. So pretty much, I've let the cat out of the bag now. I haven't released it yet, so don't go to the website yet. It's not there yet. But in the next couple days here at the beginning of June, for as little as $5, you're going to be able to win your fantasy football league. So you're going to want to check that out. Put a put a little note to yourself to check it out in the next week. But pretty much, I'm I'm taking it all in. I'm trying to build those rankings. I'm trying to build those lists so that you know I can provide winning fantasy football for not just me, not just my wife, <laughs> but for everybody who goes to the website. So I'm, it's pretty much what I'm doing now. And uh, and with some of these rankings, I guess it's fair to say that this is where we'll start. Uh, Mike, on your website, Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com, you have the top 10 overall post draft. You did this on May 30th of this year, so just a couple days ago. Top 10 overall fantasy players that are rookies coming in. Number one, Saquon Barkley for the Giants. Number two, Darius Geis of the Redskins. Number three, Rashad Penny of the Seahawks. Number four, Nick Chubb. Of the Browns, these are all running backs. Number five, Ronald Jones, running back for Tampa. Number six, running back Sony Michelle for New England. Number seven, our first wide receiver, DJ Moore of the Panthers. Number eight, wide receiver, Kelvin Ridley of Atlanta. Number nine, running back Royce Freeman of Denver. And number 10, wide receiver who I've gotten the opportunity to be around and interview and uh, definitely enjoyed my time with him, Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. So these, this is your top 10 overall for rookies. Let's, let's go down. Let's go one to 10 here. Why Saquon at the top and just what you could say about your top 10, which is very running back heavy, everything a running back uh, outside of three of those top 10. So just bring us a little bit deeper into why you chose these rookies for the top 10 and, and why in this order. Well, I, I mean, Saquon Barkley is a beast. If you've seen this guy, impressive, very large legs, very powerful legs, powerful guy at 233 pounds, and he runs a 4-4. You, you, you know, the only thing you can maybe say bad about this guy is maybe he tries to make 
too many big runs. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. The guy has proven he can get it done, whether it's leaping over a guy, running through a guy, running past a guy. And, oh, by the way, he can catch passes. Oh, and by the way, he's on a team with one of the top wide receivers. Oh, and by the way, they just beefed up the offensive line. Oh, and by the way, they needed a running back badly. They're short up the offensive line a little bit. It's a great situation for Saquon Barkley to immediately jump in the NFL, make a big splash. So I'm looking for big things from Saquon Barkley. I think that, you know, overall, if you're looking to draft a guy that you may have to reach for, but, you know, you're confident that he's going to perform this year, he might be a guy to, to, to reach for in the top ten. That's right. Against all these other veterans who've been around, he's the one rookie who outshines them all, and I think he has an opportunity to finish the year as a top five running back, and I think he'll be a top ten fantasy scorer overall. The, the, the thing I enjoyed most about putting this list together, and the thing that I find ironic is for the past several years, the narrative has been running backs are a dime a dozen. You can get running backs anywhere. Running backs are plug and play. You can get a guy off the street who was bagging groceries as long as your line is good and your system is good. Look at my top ten. Most of them are running backs. Seven of the top ten are running backs. You, you know, and, and, and that just shows that the league has been starved for good running backs. And every one of these guys on the list has something to contribute to their team immediately. And that's what the, that's what this whole thing's about. This finding these guys that are difference makers, finding these guys that a lot of people aren't going to have confidence in because they're rookies, finding these guys who are going to take you to the next level. And, you know, if you get a Saquon Barkley, I can almost guarantee you're going to have an excellent season. That coming from Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. I don't disagree with you that Saquon Barkley is going to help you out. I mean, the big thing about it is that the Giants making some decisions to help out their line and what that's going to do for them. You know, I look at the wide receivers of the Giants, fantasy-wise, that they become enticing now because of Saquon Barkley, because you have this power back that can create some opportunities for you in the running game, which opens up your passing game and vice versa. So for me, I think Saquon helps out the receivers. If I'm drafting and I'm looking for, you know, who I'm going to take, I mean, obviously people are going to take Odell, I still think high, but the Giants in general, the game might open up a little bit here for them. I think it should for Eli Manning. There should be some help there with him in fantasy because of Saquon Barkley. But the biggest thing is, are they protecting Eli Manning and are they allowing themselves to create hole are they creating holes and creating opportunities for Saquon Barkley moving forward some of the other guys on here you put Nick Chubb number four for Cleveland's the Cleveland Browns made a move for Carlos Hyde they brought him in they still have Duke Johnson Jr. who I think is the guy that to catch the passes out of the backfield why Nick Chubb and why Nick Chubb above Sony Michelle well you know, I think Nick Chubb has got the better opportunity right now. He's got the better weapons around him. Now, I'm not saying the, the Patriots aren't any good with Sony Michelle. It just if you look at what the Patriots have done with their running backs, you never know which guy it's going to be. Now, I know Cleveland brought in Carlos Hyde. I know they still have the pass-catching efficient Duke Johnson. But Nick Chubb can do a lot of everything. You know, his career was an interesting one. I mean, he, he came into Georgia with over 1,700 yards and 16 touchdowns as a freshman. 
He injured his knee in the sophomore season, returned his junior year, but didn't look like he had that same explosiveness. Then his senior year, he ran for 1,300 yards, over 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns, and that was while splitting time with Sony Michelle. So I think that he's back to his pre-injury form. I think that that year off in in rehabbing actually saved him from some mileage and some hits. And I think that that speaks volumes for guys in the NFL. I think that the less wear they have on the tires, the better when you're a running back. You need a guy who's not shot out already. You need a guy who's going to be fresh all the time. You need a guy who's going to get you to the next level. And I really think that's what Nick Chubb can do for Cleveland. You take a look at what they got with Baker Mayfield, who I think will have a solid season this year. The wide receivers are ridiculous. They got a solid situation at tight end. And if Nick Chubb doesn't get it done, they can bring him on slowly with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. So I think it's an outstanding situation for Nick Chubb. And then as far as Sony Michelle, what are your thoughts on him going a little bit deeper into this one? You have Tom Brady. You know he's going to pass the ball. But this is the first time that I've really seen the Patriots make a move on some. I mean, Kevin Falk kind of turned into something. You know, you look at LeGarrette Blunt turned into something. A lot of these guys that they've had in the backfield turned into something. James White turned into something. But Sony Michelle already is something. I'm already surprised that that the Patriots would not only take him, but take him in the first round and take somebody who already has a name and has made a name for themselves. What do you think about this dynamic? Because this is the first running back, and maybe in the Tom Brady era, that's in New England that already is more than capable and, 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 and is a household name to a lot of people as opposed to somebody who were saying, who's that? And at the end of the season, he's the MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah, Sonny Michelle's got a unique opportunity. He can immediately make a splash on a team that definitely is in the Super Bowl talks every year. But you got to remember that, you know, this is a team who has interchangeable running back situations with Rex Burkhead, James White, Mike Gillisley. They brought in Jeremy Hill. Brandon Bolden still in the fold. This is a situation where Garrett Blunt looked very effective when he was there. But there were times that... You know, one week it would be one guy. Next week, that guy's bagging groceries somewhere. So, you know, the thing I like the most about Sony Michelle is his explosiveness. He's a fucking runner, yet he makes you miss. He makes you, he, he just, he has good hips. He has the ability to change direction with keeping his hips in the same direction. And then once he digs that foot in the ground and takes off, he kicks it in the high gear, and you're not stopping this guy. And, that's what the Patriots would like to have, an explosive running back, a game-changing guy, a guy that's as talented as a guy we saw last year in Alvin Kamara. This is another Alvin Kamara situation. This may even affect Tom Brady's numbers, but that's okay as long as it produces wins. We saw what the change was in Drew Brees' numbers this past year with, with Ingram and with Kamara, and that's okay. You know, Brees was still efficient. However, it's not okay if Breeze is your fantasy quarterback or if Tom Brady's your fantasy quarterback. So temper your expectations there. Keep that in check. But at the same time, understand there's a risk factor with the team he's on. And, you know, Sony Michelle, depending on how things are going, 
you know, maybe, maybe something comes up and, and all of a sudden maybe he's in Belichick doghouse. Maybe he fumbles and we don't see him for three games. So it, it's just, it's going to be a crapshoot to start. So be prepared for that. But I'm not, I'm not thinking that Sony Michelle is going to be a bad player. I think if you have a Sony Michelle on your team, you're going to be fine. I think a Sony Michelle compared to other running backs is going to be a notch down on the list here for me. I got him ranked so far, and he, this is very premature. These aren't my final rankings. But out of all the running backs in the NFL, I've got him ranked as the 27th running back right now. Yeah, you know, and, and we look at it, and like you said, with Bill Belichick, you know, if, if you get in his doghouse, there's the Bill Belichick factor that he has no problem sitting somebody down on. We can all, case in point, Malcolm Butler. So, you know, we, we could see some of these things that have already happened with Bill Belichick, and if it doesn't make sense to you, it makes sense to him. We also see the rich getting richer when you look at Sony Michel on just, you know, just I'm looking at the team that he's on on paper, we see the rich getting richer. But at the same point, like Mike just uh, spoke about, we're looking at a team that in reality has gotten better. But fantasy-wise, if a Sony Michelle is getting opportunities, getting downs, and getting out there more, then it could affect Tom Brady's numbers in fantasy. So just make sure you're watching that. And knowing that there are anywhere from three to five running backs a season in New England, also to temper your expectations of what the output's going to be for each of them because Mike Gillisley came out striking in the first week and then outside of one other week during the season was relatively obsolete and gone. So just make sure that you're watching that and understanding that New England might have a good running back this week, but it doesn't mean anything about next week. Uh, Another thing I wanted to bring up, Mike, is that you have Baker Mayfield number one out of your quarterback. Now, now we had the top 10 overall rookie rankings for fantasy football. Your number one rookie ranking at the quarterback position specifically is Baker Mayfield for the Browns, then Josh Rosen of the Cardinals, then Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, then Sam Darnold of the Jets, Josh Allen of the Bills, and so on and so forth. What I like about this is that you have Lamar Jackson in the top three. I believe that there is a possibility or a standing viable chance or a reasonable chance, whether or not they do it, you have two new tight ends in Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. You have a whole slew of new wide receivers on the team that came from other teams that are veterans. And you have, for the first time, truly looking in your backfield and saying to Alex Collins, you can be the guy now. So with that being said, new running back leading the pack, new wide receivers leading that room, and new tight ends as well, it makes sense to say, why are we going to do all this new with Joe Flacco? Why are we going to take this why are we going to take all of Joe Flacco's players, all of his skill guys, teach them how to play with him, and then say bye Joe and then bring in Lamar Jackson. Why teach two systems in the next two years? Why not just bring in a new quarterback when everybody else is is new or relatively new? I like the idea. I think it makes logical sense. You have them in your top three, so bring me into why you put them there. Well, it's math. It's money at a certain point. I mean, they paid a lot of money to Joe Flacco, so they need to make sure that they're exhausting every bit of that resource. I know he's had some rough years, but at the same time, he hasn't had the guys around him. He hasn't had the receivers. 
he hasn't had a consistent running game. He hasn't had consistency at the tight end position. The only thing good about the offense, and, and it's really special teams, was the kicking situation with Justin Tucker. I think Joe Flacco still can get things done now with the addition of Crabtree. Now that Alex Collins has a year under his belt with them, looks like he's going to be the guy there. It looks like, you know, Javorius Down, Buck Allen may take a back seat there, maybe be just the third down guy instead of mixing it up or rotating. Alex Collins has proved himself to be, you know, a two-down, if not a three-down back. So I think that takes some of the pressure off Flacco. I think if Flacco can just wrap his head around and build some relationships with a Crabtree, with a Willie Sneed, with a Bashard Perryman, you know, there's and, – and, and I like what they brought in with the Jordan Lastly as well. So I think there's an opportunity. Oh, and, and you know what? You, 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 hit, you hit a point there with Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is an excellent tight end. He should have been taken before Hayden Hurst in, in all reality. But at the same time, you can't argue with what Hayden Hurst does between the 20s. He can run the ball as an H-back. He can catch the ball over the middle. He's a mismatch in the slot. The only thing I have against Hayden Hurst is he hadn't scored that many touchdowns when he was at South Carolina. I think he had like three touchdowns. You need a guy that's going to be able to finish, be able to make teams pay, and stick it in the end zone. So I think Flacco's got some weapons around him. Lamar Jackson, I think he's got the most upside out of most of the quarterbacks that were taken in this draft. I think Lamar Jackson could be the guy that everybody says, oh, where the heck did he come from? This guy won a Heisman a couple years ago. Don't 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 ask where he came from. He's always been there. And if you put the talent around him, he's proven himself to be a winner. He's proven himself to be one of the best on the field. So I really do like Lamar Jackson a lot, especially in Dynasty Leagues. You need to get you some Lamar Jackson. And what I love about the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge is you get a team quarterback, so if for some reason they change their mind on Joe Flacco during the season and put in Lamar Jackson, you don't have to draft Lamar Jackson, find Lamar Jackson, you get him too. So if you get Joe, you get Lamar, and I think that that's a good one to punch. We'll take a step aside for a fast break and be right back in just a moment to continue our conversation on fantasy football here in june as you get set for the august drafts there will be plenty of them with the wake up call fantasy football challenge in central and upstate new york and of course we will have one down in florida as well we'll be back in a moment this is a wake up call fast break gear up with the real deal at dry apparel creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Unica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. 
the recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company, call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you so much for being patient as the show was on vacation for a little while as we enjoyed some time with the wife, and I'm very happy to be back here. Mike and I, who you're used to hearing Every Friday, as we are here on Friday right now, we will be on Thursdays now. So this is the final Friday for Mike and I from 10 to 11. We will be moving to Thursdays of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and we will be there on TGIT instead of TGIF, and you will hear us 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time every Thursday on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, which means that you need to make a note that as of next week, you will hear us on June 7th to start things off, and we can't wait to be there for you. Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Of course, myself from WakeUpCallDT.com, giving you fantasy advice all throughout the year and very happy to do so. We're going through Mike's top 10 rankings here, top 10 overall and top 10 by position, and having a conversation about these rookies. So this is top 10 rookies, not overall. So the top 10 rookies of this 2018 class, the overall for them, not the whole league, and then quarterbacks, running backs, so on and so forth. We spoke about running backs, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but wide receiver, you have DJ Moore of Carolina at number one, then Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, who I think is a, is a nice opportunity to be an heir apparent, learn from Larry Fitzgerald at least this year, and then move forward into that number one slot potentially. And then Anthony Miller, who I know well from Memphis, he's with the Chicago Bears. Michael Gallup, who I feel like people have just kind of galloped past, so to speak, pun completely intended. Forgot about the fact that Dallas drafted him. James Washington with the Steelers, who is a former teammate of Mason Rudolph, who's there now. Just what your thoughts are on the wide receivers of the rookie class and how you had them, why you had them ranked the way that you did so far. Well, one of the reasons is not only the position they were drafted in, like, I mean, not wide receiver, I mean the team, the situation that they were drafted into. But one of the things I take into play is something called the Adjusted Explosiveness Index. And this is something that, dating back to 1999, 10 receivers have topped 106 on this scale. Now, it's a graded scale, and what you do and how you come up with this scale is a little bit tricky. The formula is simple, though. It's if you add a player's weight, their height, their vertical jump, and their broad jump, and then you divide out their 40-yard dash time. Now, I'm going to give you some names of some guys that have hit this magic number of 106, and you tell me what you think of them. Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, Julio Jones. 
Vincent Jackson, Dante Moncrief. You know, these are just a few of the guys that were able to have successful careers. DJ Moore scored very close to that mark. He didn't hit the 106 mark, but he topped the charts compared to everyone else. When you consider where he's going, and by the way, his score was a 102. So when you consider where he's going and the team he's going to that has a solid quarterback, a solid running back situation in Christian McCaffrey, and, and, and don't forget they just added, added C.J. Anderson, you got some veteran receivers who can help him. He could be the number one receiver by the end of the year in Carolina. I like D.J. Moore a lot. I think he's in a good situation. I think he's fast. I think he's got size. I think he's got the ability to get past people, the ability to, to, to run the route tree effectively. I think this is the guy who's going to make a difference for Carolina this year. So, and, and once again, Mike, give everybody that, again, the adjusted explosive index, how they find it. Well, the formula is you add the player's height, their weight, their vertical jump, and their broad jump. These are all things that they've done at the combine. Usually, this is an evaluation process that's used by some NFL teams. Very, not a lot of people know about this, so you can use this to your advantage in fantasy football. Then you divide out after you add the height, weight, vertical jump, and broad jump. You divide you divide that by his forty yard dash time, and then that gives you the adjusted explosive index. Now, the golden number, the Hall of Fame or top echelon players' numbers come out to about 106. DJ Moore scored a 102. So he's real close to that. I've got 15 guys ranked on my on my sheet here that were wide receivers that I graded out for the adjusted explosive index. And this is just one facet of measuring out a guy. You can't just go by the AEI or adjusted explosive index. You got to go by the situation that he's put in. You got to go by who's in front of him. Who's his quarterback? Who's his running game? What's the rest of the division look like? There's a lot of things that come into play here. But first and foremost, if you don't have the skills or the tools or the physical ability to get it done, well, that's why it all goes back to the AEI to start with. Big numbers, and that coming from Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. The adjusted explosive index, 106, the magic number. Only 10 have gotten there, as Mike said. You add their height, their weight, their vertical jump, and their broad jump. Divide that all, after adding it together, by their 40-yard dash time, and that will give you their adjusted explosive index. Only 10 have scored 106. So, just for that to be known, and like you said, DJ Moore scoring 102. Very, very close to this. And I want to make a note here before we get to a comment that was just made. I want to look at the fact of DJ Chark. You have him as number 10 out of your top 10 rookie wide receivers. What's your thoughts on this? Jacksonville drafted him. Why number 10? And what do you think about his situation? Well, ironically, he scored 0.53 points behind D.J. Moore. He's number two on the Adjusted Explosive Index. But as you see, he's number 10 on my rookie wide receiver rankings. And that's largely because of the situation he's in. Marquise Lee is the unquestionable number one guy. He gained a lot of confidence in Jacksonville this past year. They didn't bring in Dante Moncrief to be a number two. They wanted him to push Marquise Lee. 
So they almost have a 1A and a 1B in Jacksonville. D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole shine last year. Those guys are still going to continue to show up. D.J. Chark is going to have some opportunities, but it's just going to be how things pan out. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of bodies in his way to getting on the field consistently. He can do it, and in a dynasty situation, he's still a top 10 receiver. I'm just not confident that he's going to be able to, to outshine very many people this first year. I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Most receivers take a three-year learning curve. Usually you see the best out of guys after three years. It takes them that long to develop. The only guy I can think of in recent history who immediately made a big, big enough splash in the NFL without that three-year curve is a Randy Moss. There have been guys who've come close, like a Kelvin Benjamin and et cetera, but these guys all end up with injuries and things derail their year. So it really takes a couple years. You have to be patient with a receiver. I think DJ Moore has the best opportunity to, to redefine that role, redefine that thing coming in as a rookie wide receiver. And I think DJ Chark is not going to have as easy of a path as a DJ Moore. Yeah, coming from Mike Southcott. Mike, before we wrap up the rankings that you have here, tight end, I want to look at this. Your top 10 tight ends going into this season for the 2018-19 NFL season post the NFL draft. You have Dallas Godert, number one with the Eagles. Mike Gusecki with the Miami Dolphins, number two. Hayden Hurst, three. Mark Andrews, four. Both of Baltimore, we brought them up. Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys, fifth. Jordan Jordan Akins, who I had an opportunity to spend some time with, with UCF, with the Houston Texans, who have been looking for a tight end for a while. Ian Thomas backing up Greg Olson in Carolina, and then Chris Herndon from there with the Jets, and so on and so forth. What can you tell me about why you have these rankings the way you do? I don't disagree at all with Dallas Godert. Just what you could say about these rankings in, in Dallas as well as after Dallas. Well, I, I and again, I, I design these not only for this season, but I also design them for dynasty implications. Rookies are guys that, you know, you got to take a breath to take a step back and make sure the situation's right around them. But a Dallas Goder can, you know, this guy's a freak when he makes some, some, some catches. Now, I know that people are going to say, well, he went to a small school. Well, you know, Trey Burton went to Florida, and he had trouble getting on the field there. So why is Dallas Goder going to have such an opportunity? Well, you know why? Because the other guy keeps getting hurt. Zach Ertz is a, is, is a premium tight end. He's a number. He's a top three tight end in the league, but he keeps getting hurt. And if you look at what's going on around the league, two tight ends is going to be the, the, the wave. New England tried to do this several years ago with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. And now you look at Philadelphia's got two solid tight ends. Baltimore just brought in two solid tight ends. You know, this is going to be the way things are going. You want the mismatches on the field. Look at what Green Bay just did with bringing in two tight ends, one in Jimmy Graham and the other one in the former Jacksonville tight end. Jeez, his name's escaping me. Mercedes Lewis, Mercedes yeah. Lewis. Yeah. So there's a lot of teams out there that are doubling up in a tight end position. Uh, look at Tampa, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brake. Uh, Sam Fran, George Kittle came to life last year. Garrett uh, uh, and uh, Garrett Self, Self, 
Selleck is a you know a prominent guy that you can have blocking or running. But Dallas Gerder Godert is a guy who can really hit the red zone. He's got large hands. He's got great leaping ability. Now you go down on my list here, Mike Gusecki, great opportunity in Miami. Miami's been searching for a solid tight end. They brought in Julius Thomas. That didn't work out. Even with the Adam Gase offense, it just didn't work. Hayden Hurst, he's a beast. Mark Andrews, I have ranked right behind him because I think, ironically, Mark Andrews may get more touchdowns than Hayden Hurst. But Aiden Hurst may get more volume. And Dalton Schultz is in an excellent situation going into Dallas. The only guy that could possibly be ahead of him on the chart is Rico Gathers. And you saw how Dallas uses the tight end. I, I like Jordan Atkins a lot at a UCF. I think he's got a great situation, you know, going into Houston. I mean, I don't think Ryan Griffin or Stephen Anderson's really a threat to him right now. So I, 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 I I just think that there's a lot of opportunity for these guys immediately. Look at the Tyler Conklin situation. He goes and joins Kyle Rudolph. Again, another two tight end dynamics. So that's going to kind of be the way things go. You know, and, and, and I forgot a guy that a lot of people have forgotten about here. In Miami, not only did they bring in Mike Kosecki, but they also have A.J. Derby, who we've been waiting years for this guy to blossom. So look out for the two tight end systems. Make sure you're on the right end of the right guy according to your scoring situation. Whether you're in a dynasty league or not, make sure if you're in a combo league or a league that rewards a lot for yardage or long touchdowns, you take all those things into consideration. Whereas I feel a Mark Andrews may be a more red zone guy. Hayden Hurst may be more of that combo guy or the large chunks of, of yardage type guy or a PPR guy where Mark Andrews may be the red zone guy. Hayden Hurst could be that guy between the 20s. So definitely make sure you know what you're doing in your specific league before you make a decision on these guys. And again, Dynasty League, any of these guys I just mentioned, you're going to be fine with over the next several years. Mind you, the NFL hit or miss. The average lifespan of an NFL player is three to five years. And a top the top guy, sometimes 50% of them pan out. But I've already taken all that into consideration when I made my list, so I'm confident on my list here. So go check it out at HallOfFameFantasyFootball.com. That comment from Mike Sofka as we continue to discuss here the upcoming season, getting you ready for fantasy football, the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. Five leagues as of right now, could be more. We have four in Central and Upstate New York, and we have one down in Florida, in Central Florida. So make sure that you sign up. If you haven't signed up yet, you can sign up now. You can send us your information. We're going to put out a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram post. You can sign up off of that. You can reply to us directly from that. Following us, liking the page, you can send us a message as well. Carson Wentz, I want to bring this up since you brought up Dallas Goder. Carson Wentz is obviously the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. He came from North Dakota State, and Dallas Goder played from South Dakota State, and Carson was instrumental. He was big on getting Dallas to this team. They knew each other because North Dakota State and South Dakota State both bring it, and they both do a lot of good things in their respective, you know, on their respective squads. And and when it comes down to crunch time and it comes to the postseason, going up against one another. So what do you like about this? The Dakotas are being represented by Philly. And, you know, for everybody that says, who cares about a guy who's coming from North or South Dakota? Who cares about a guy who's in Division Three? Jerry Rice. It's funny to me how Carson Wentz helps lead them to the Super Bowl, even though he didn't get to play in it. 
and he's from North Dakota State. Dallas Godert is a steal that Philly took away from the Dallas Cowboys. He's from South Dakota State. And Jerry Rice, arguably the best receiver of all time, Division Three football. So with that being said, what do you like about the Dakotas being represented and the fact that Carson Wentz said, guys, we need to go get this kid? Well, you know, it all comes down to like what Deion Sanders says. If you ball, you're going to get the call. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're at a playground, Division Three, community college, uh, you know, Division One A, FBS school, FCS school. It doesn't matter. They will find you if you're fast enough. If you can play. If you can. If you have the speed of the game, and I don't just mean running fast. You need to. You need to have a good forty. But you also need to have quickness as well. Quickness and speed are two different things. Quickness is more so reaction. Quickness is knowing where you have to be, when you have to be there, and then having the speed to get there. So you need to have quickness. You need to have mental ability. You need to have the ability to digest a new language, which is the NFL playbook, and put that into action and be a team player with the guys around you. So a lot of these guys you know, have been missed all their life according to maybe there's always been another guy in their way. Maybe there's always been, you know, they've always been second. They've always been, you know, fourth to the top three. And a lot of these guys have been better athletes long-term because of that. They haven't given up. They're the guys that keep fighting. They're the guys that want to make it, but everybody's told them, you're too small, you're too slow, you're not quick enough, you're not fast enough, and they continue to plug away and prove people wrong. And that's what I like about guys from these small schools that make it big. Great stories, great storyline for the NFL, great stories for these individuals. And then when they get to the big stage, they usually shine. They don't usually shy away. So I'm looking forward to seeing what some of these guys like a Dallas Godard can do, especially when you team them with another small school guy like Carson Wentz. I I look forward to a bright future for both those guys in Philly. That coming from Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Make sure you go there and check out all the rankings by position post-draft as well as the top 10 overall rookies as we discussed today. We'll have plenty more coming up, but it will now be on, say it with us, Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We are proud to be with you for now our third year consecutively. Mike's been a part of the show longer than that. We are now moving to Thursdays, fantasy football has found a home Thursdays on Wake Up Call from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Mike, as always, it's great to speak with you, good sir, and I look forward to talking with you very soon. Sounds like a plan. Thanks a lot, Dan. All right, take care. That coming from Mike Sofka, once again, of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Let's take a fast break here, and we will come back to wrap up the show in just a moment where sports meets life right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt and of course on the homepage of wakeupcalldt.com much love and respect we'll talk with you in a moment this is a wake up call fast break Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315 315- 
315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. All I can tell you, folks, is that our uh, another show that's inside of Dan Tortora Broadcast Media, LLC, which I'm very proud of, is Super Powered Pop with DT and EB. And, of course, that's Eric Bunch and myself, Dan Tortora. We have a Deadpool show that, that I promised you this week. And uh, coming back from vacation and everything with Tyus Battle kind of took hold of everything. But that show is coming to you this morning. And it's very funny. So I'm very, very excited for it. Make sure you listen all the way up until the last possible second because you won't want to miss the last. Just like you don't want to miss the last what? Five seconds of the of regulation for the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors as we come full circle. You don't want to miss the last five seconds of this show. Very, very funny. Episode 9 of this year that we have done coming up for you in just a little bit with uh, Super Power Pop with DT and EB under Dan Tortora Broadcast Media. Another show I'm very proud of in the entertainment world. And you can check that out by going to superpoweredpop.com as well as superpoweredpop.podbean.com. And if Eric Bunch is out there listening somewhere, brother, I, I was just listening to the the end of our show and I was having myself a good laugh here in the fast break. So I hope that you all are excited to hear it. So you should be. And you'll hear it very soon on superpoweredpop.podbean.com as well as superpoweredpop.com. So make sure you check it out. And buy your CNY Pop Festival tickets, folks. Don't waste another second. Buy your tickets now. I'm making an announcement today of another guest that's coming that you don't know about. And we're going to be rolling out our our flyers. Our, you know, they're, they're, they're better than a flyer. It's like a postcard. So you're going to be able to see that very, 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 very soon. I'm so excited about it. You're going to be seeing us and hearing us all over the place in advertising. So buy your tickets now. we got about a month and a half. Do not waste a moment. Get your tickets. They're only $15 for adults pre-sale, $10 for children pre-sale. Those numbers go up at the door, so buy them now. And on top of all of that, you have the opportunity to get VIP tickets exclusively before the show. You cannot buy them the day of the show. So do that, cnypopfestival.com, featuring... 
Syracuse basketballs, Roosevelt Bowie Jr., Dale Shackelford, Gene Waldron, Howard Trish, Dennis Duval, Otis Hill, Dale Shackelford, if I didn't say Dale, but I might have said Dale, but if I said him twice, it's because I love him, as well as Daywan Coleman by Moose Cicada. Football for Syracuse, Rob Drummond, Kyle McIntosh. From the Flash, Michelle Harrison. From Power Rangers, as well as Molly's Game, Jeff Perazzo. From Power Rangers, as well as Four Brothers and Half-Baked, Kevin Duhaney from Power Rangers, Blake Foster from Star Wars, Mark Dodson. Do not miss an opportunity to see sports and entertainment. When I was a kid, there were jocks and there were nerds. And nobody could hang out with each other. And I hung out with everybody so people didn't understand me. Well, apparently I was ahead of the curve because now there's no jock. There's no nerd. Let's just hang out together. We all go to the movies. We all see Avengers together. I want you all to come to this together. It's a community event. It's my way to give back to Central and Upstate New York because I love you, because you're my home. I'm bringing you at least 18 guests as well as a ton of events. We're going to have cosplay contests. Dress as your favorite superhero or villain. Dress as your favorite sports player. Come and be a part of this. We're going to make it fun. We're going to make it family friendly. There's going to be vendors from all different walks of life. There's going to be phenomenal food there. This is an event that you have to go to. CNYPopFestival.com. Buy your tickets now. Thank you and have a great weekend. I'll talk with you on Monday.